0: Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 34 of Call It Friend, or the podcast where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. and my co-host, Anna Katerin, watched 2010's Beautiful, written and directed by Alejandro gonzalez Inarritu. You are going to hear some interesting pronunciations of that name from both of us this week. As always, this podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start, Check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. Please follow Call It Podcast on Instagram, like the Facebook page, leave a review on iTunes or any or all of the above. If you'd like to recommend a film for us to watch, please send us a DM on Instagram. We're going to continue doing the toss, but there is no companion film anymore, so your input is welcome, especially if it stars Vin Diesel. Oh yeah, a uh, slight addendum, apologies if it sounds like I'm falling asleep in the episode. But I had just done a huge amount of heroin, which is why. So we had a listener question uh, about Sam Peckinpah's 1971 film Straw Dogs. Yeah, watched it this morning with
1: my infant daughter.
0: Oh, oh. Was it? it truly and lovely. this wasn't
1: your first time watching, it wasn't.
0: It? No, it was not. So the listener question came from Deirdre or Deirdre. How do you Irish people say that? I believe my sister Irish. says Deirdre. So we'll say Deirdre Rogers. Who basically just asked about the elements of Straw Dogs, where Susan George's character Amy kind of helps the bad guys at certain points, the controversial rape scene, and uh, what was going on. Essentially, is this misogyny from Sam Peckinpah? Is this that the character of Amy has been in some way traumatized, forced? What's going on? What is what is the film Straw Dogs trying to say?
1: Uh, in a way that you, well, there's definitely a bit of misogyny in there for sure. Um, one thing I will how, say: how
0: many uh, wait, how many others of Sam Peckinpah's films have you seen? Because I think I've almost, I've seen The Wild Bunch, and that's about it.
1: Uh, well, I've seen let's see, I've seen The Wild Bunch. The Ballad of Cable Hogue, The Getaway. Stra- oh, yeah, I've seen The getaway. Straw Dogs, and um, there's one more that I've seen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Uh, there's, uh, but I, uh, I eventually mean to watch all of them. I love Sam and Ban. I've seen The Wild Bunch like a lot of times. I do, Well, uh, the thing is about him, he's like he's your definition sort of maverick filmmaker first of all in a way and i'll get to the misogyny of the whole thing in a second but first of all when he's making a film he's making a film about what sam peckinpah thinks he's not making a film about the world he really really isn't it's his worldview like it or lump it and like the only two female characters in it are like basically highly sexualized i think it's fair to say yeah
0: Um, Yeah, exactly that
1: yeah, um but like I don't think that's his represent his representation of all female kind. I think it's just his representation of that school of of female kind and how it could play on the brain. And him having bunked around in Hollywood so long, I'd say he would have had his fair slice of that side of femininity. But when it gets down to it, the rape scene and as it, as it happens, what he represents there in a way I don't know, They're, like basically what what makes the rape seem controversy is towards the end uh, she seems to start to enjoy it. Now, uh, this is a phenomenon that has been reported by rape victims. It's just a f- highly ballsy one to include in your film, I would say. Like it's an insane thing to put but- in, your, in your film some rape victims end up enacting out rape fantasies afterwards and feeling immense survivors guilt for this and so forth and some people have orgasms when they get raped and they feel horrible about this and dirty and so forth so i mean it's just a it's 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 an exploration of those kind of things i think but like you just said i like i don't think um like yeah she has been just coerced every single way by this point so i don't think you're seeing anything but like uh, scenes of a... Like, like, it's just a highly abusive scene. That part of the scene at, also, the, end, at the time Also,
0: well, at the time of filming... So, at the time of filming, Susan George, the actress who plays Amy, she was 20 years old. I don't know how old she's meant to be, but, like, there's a weird scene with her with Dustin Hoffman where he, she's acting in quite a childish way and then he says, like, uh, it'd, be, it'd be better if you were 14, 12, 8. I go crazy for 8-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... It's just it, I mean obviously he's kidding but like there is uh, a weird element where she's treated but like uh, treated as a child. She's been away for years and mm. previously was in a relationship with the the lead baddie that a, we, we could assume that she was very very young at that point.
1: The, I think the film does turn misogynistic in the end in when she is basically kind of rooting for Charlie in the fight. Right. You know, first of all, like, I mean, aside from addressing uh, Deirdre Rogers's question, I would like to say I do think it's a it's a brilliant movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, Again, I really
0: enjoyed watching it.
1: I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. I love it when films can really accurately capture that country pub vibe and they fucking nail it in Straw Dogs. Like just the just like, you know, that whole dangerous like what well, you'd know like i mean there's pubs in leith like that you know that whole danger well yeah i
0: mean this this is what we talked about yeah. when we watched um wake and fright yeah that it's whole bas- it's exactly and it's from the same year i mean it, when i started watching straw dogs this time i've got the sense of like oh yeah yeah this is very reminiscent to me of wake and fright and i preferred wake and fright for the going through the first part of straw dogs again but When Straw Dogs kicks into gear and the kind of the typical Sam Peckinpah violence starts happening and people get shot and start going flying through the air. Mm. At that point, I was like, it's it's much harder for me to call which one I prefer.
1: Yeah, it would be difficult to call because, yeah, it, it, there's, for much of the film, they're almost the same film, but then they become two very mm. different things at the end. And bo- and both very, they both take very interesting directions. They're both interesting explorations of masculinity. Because one fascinating thing about the end of this Bloodbath, this is the film that, like, did you know this film <laughs> did actually inspire Home Alone?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this, this, it is
1: at the end of it, you can't exactly say Dustin Hoffman has won anything,
0: but like he, wh- and what's going on at the end there? He's driving off with the pedophile who has murdered a child yeah. essentially. Uh, the pe- the pe- the pedophile that he protected.
1: Yeah. That like that like but I I love that as a conceit. Like he's not protecting any damsel or anybody innocent. He's fu- he's protecting the village pedophile.
0: And also, the rape of his wife is never addressed. Like it, it, that's not that doesn't spark the violence or anything. So,
1: did you read much misogyny in the film?
0: Not really. I would. Well, it's from 1971.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> it's enough. It's just
0: it's of the time period, and also I would say it doesn't particularly paint men as great bastions of that's true valor it's uh, the men are all absolute shite bags for different reasons do you think sam peckinpah coached dustin hoffman
1: to run like a little girl in the wider shots
0: no surely not that's i think that's all natural that's all natural because he just
1: prances in such an effeminate manner compared to the english guys it's you know
0: i just i i think they captured so perfectly like the 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 English guys are being like all kind of like nice and and going like oh yes oh thank you so much sir and then as soon as Hoffman turns around they're like fucking wanker yeah. <laughs> it's it's the most accurate depiction of of uh, of, of British people
1: yeah. The, like, the, the you know what's You know where? Yeah. The, so in the end, the uh, all, all sorts of spoilers for Straw Dogs, by the way, guys, the end, the daughter yeah. goes, goes missing. But like it automatically as it transforms into a fucking party. Like, there's no way those guys are not enjoying that. They're, they're hanging yeah. outside the house, slugging sh- 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 back whiskey, shooting in windows.
0: Cy- cycling around on little trikes. Like,
1: do they don't give...
0: Having a great time.
1: The, yeah, they don't give it... Like, even the, gu- the the girl's daughter just seems much more concerned with fucking leathering the shite out of uh, the pedophile than uh, finding his daughter. Nobody's looking
0: for the daughter. No one gives a fuck about the daughter, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I did really enjoy it. It made me want to just, yeah, watch a bunch more Peckinpah. Uh, um,
0: what else have you been watching? Yeah, I haven't watched anything else. So, Fire and if what? What have you been watching?
1: Well, I'll fire. Uh, yeah, I'll fire along with it. So, I watched uh, Sing Street. You know the Irish uh, musical film. Yeah, I like that. that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really it's good. Very,
0: it's very sweet.
1: It is. I enjoyed yeah, it. and they just absolutely nail Irish all boys schools. I went to one, and it's just, <laughs> it's just there. That's what it is. Just. Homophobia around every turn and just all sorts of slaggins, and it's very, very good. I, I really enjoyed Sing Street. And then just today, I watched uh, Back to the Future, which is just a perfect movie. Like, Back to the Future was such a commercial-seeming idea to the studio that they allowed them to shoot the three movies back-to-back.
0: Just basically. Today, I thought they just yeah. shot part two and three back-to-back.
1: No, I'm pretty sure they shot one back-to-back, uh, one, two, and three back-to-back, like, because, um, whatchamacallit, one has that addendum. With them flying off and oh, we...
0: be back! Oh yeah, yeah, we'll be back in part two.
1: Yeah, yeah, where where we're going, we don't need roads. But it's like, I mean, this is a film, uh, a children's film, which was a huge hit that features Libyan terrorists, uh, an old man getting shot. The thrust of the narrative is a guy trying to not have sex with his mother. Fantastic! God, where where's the original ideas gone, Hollywood? Give me something like that, huh?
0: Yep, yeah, I I. Feel all of those themes on a, a deeply personal level,
1: and uh, then I am also at the moment at this in tandem watching three TV shows: zero 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 on Amazon, the Gabriel Byrne globe-spanning. Oh uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's uh, got a Mogwai soundtrack that I've listened to, but I've never watched the show. It's
1: really good. I really recommend it. Yeah, I it's am- about
0: drugs, right, in Italy and.
1: Yeah, and, like, there's bits in Senegal and bits in Mexico and bits in the middle of the ocean. Anything, like, yeah, like we've discussed here before, like, globe-spanning crime, I'm there with boots on. And uh, also watching For All Mankind on Apple, which is excellent. That is so good. Just, and like, do you know what the, the concept of this show is?
0: No, what are you talking about?
1: For all mankind, is the, the whole conceit of the show is uh, the Russians won the space race. They get to the moon first. By the end of the first episode, the United, spoiler, the United States have also landed on the moon. But what it does is just that little thing of the Russians being slightly better in the space race. It just makes you interested in the space race, but inserts dramatic tension because you don't quite know what's going to happen like in the second episode right. the soviets land a woman on the moon so then the the, the united states have to start getting all these female astronauts because nixon's a lunatic and it's really really brilliant i'm really enjoying that and i'm also watching sharp objects uh the amy adams starring jillian flynn adaptation which is uh, yeah i
0: been i been i have been planning to watch that that's been on my list forever after the night of i was going to move on to that but yeah so many things so this is the first week that we're just going to be talking about one film in the end we've decided that going forward we're just going to focus on one film so we're, we're going to reference the revenant a little bit uh, along with the rest of in yari uh, filmography but going forward with the podcast we're going to be focusing on one film so that we can we can really go into into depth
1: Yeah, uh, basically, I I would imagine the podcast will probably remain around the same length, but with um, just much bigger focus in on different aspects of the making and uh, our glorious opinions.
0: Absolutely.
1: How do you feel about Inyaratu? I presume in the last week also, same as myself, you've listened to a bunch of interviews with him.
0: Yeah, he seems like a a nice, uh, thoughtful man, Mexican man. I think the reason I'd never watched Beautiful was because... I think I think critics were starting to get a bit tired of the formula of the of those films of the the three previous films. So, well, okay, let, let's. I'm going to go into. It. I'll just go straight into into the background because yeah. that'll lead into what I want to say anyway. So, yeah. So, Beautiful is a 2010 psychological drama, co-written and directed by Alejandro González Iñárritu. Yeah, so this is Iñárritu's fourth film after the Trilogy of Death, which were all written by Guillermo Arriaga. We had Amores Peros in 2000, that had the multiple interwoven narratives, this hyperlink cinema. Uh, in fact, all three of his first films had the same narrative style, which again kind of goes back to like Robert Altman and Nashville, although there are a bunch of other films even prior to that. 21 grams again in 2003 that had Oscar nominations for Benicio del Toro and Naomi Watts and and was a financial success made 60 million from a 20 million budget. Then you had Babel, 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 Babel in 2006. People were clamoring to work with him: Brad Pitt, Kate Blanchett. It was an international co-production, mm. shot in Morocco, Japan, Mexican-U.S. border. This time he got Best Picture and Best Director nominations. Gustavo Santelaya won the Academy Award for Best Original Score. But the critical response was already starting to turn at this point. Yeah, people were it, getting it was sick quite, of it. It's quite heavy-handed. It, it made $135 million off of a 25 budget, but it was quite heavy-handed and it's starting to turn. This is exactly how I felt. I remember I watched uh, Morris Peros when it came out, and 21 Grams, and also Babel. And with each film, I was kind of going like, yeah, this is good, but... It was just starting to... It was It was getting a bit tired. It was kind of well-trod at that point. Mm. When Beautiful came out, I, whatever I'd seen about Beautiful at the time, it just kind of put me off. It was his first film without Ariaga as writer because apparently they fell out when Iñárritu banned him from the set of Babel.
1: Yeah, I've heard about that.
0: And so when I... Watching Beautiful... I could see that this is like a, when you see what comes after beautiful, when you see that what happens moving on into the Birdman and uh, the Revenant Beautiful's kind of like the bridge between the first three films and what comes afterwards, because it's an opportunity for him to craft a film of his own. He had co-writers on it, mm. but it was his first sort of something that was kind of truly his. And it didn't have the same. It's still a meditation on death. It's a, a it's a tone poem, a reflection on death. It's not using the hyperlink structure anymore. It's something more well, of resembling I mean, like a traditional narrative.
1: Javier Bardem is basically like the car crash in this film, connecting everybody. I mean, that's true. I enjoyed it a lot this time. I I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I
0: was going to ask you. I want what I wanted to ask you first and foremost was. Do you view it differently? And I've asked you this before about other films, but now that you're a father, did that affect things? Because it is like, I mean, the film is dedicated to the director's father, Hector Gonzalez Gama, who was in his 80s when Beautiful was made and and died in 2014. It I just wondered if It it's hadn't quite more occurred to affecting.
1: me, but I th- I I actually think so, yeah. I would say so. It hadn't occurred to me while I was watching it, but I certainly enjoyed it and engaged with it much more this time. Than I had before. This is probably the third time I've seen it. Uh, first time I was in the mind of Roger Ebert, who I remember at the time he reviewed it and felt it was all very, very good, but a little aimless, sort of like, why? Why does this that's even ex- exist? That's,
0: a, that's exactly how I felt. I thought, this is nicely shot. I mm. like certain elements of it, but it's so unfocused to me.
1: Yeah, so Mark, Mark Kermode had a similar opinion. Mark Kermode is very much not on the Innueratu train. He's got no track. He's got no time for that kind of bollocks. And I don't even think it is a, tr- a traditional narrative, just in the sense that it's chronological. Maybe this, I think the second time I wa- I would have watched it, I would have been here in Barcelona, and I, the question I would have had was: so seemingly little happens, but it also manages to a get made and b be so long now you just answered how it got made really with his big successes beforehand and i suppose that answers how Mm. it managed to be so long as well but i also recently heard these questions answered via like a four-way interview with inuratu and his his co-writer guy called armando Bo, his cinematographer roger prieto uh his composer gustavo santa sorry santa yeah santa santa uh santo laila gustavo and uh guillermo yeah, del toro the g- was there as well g money who's on g money exactly and um they kind of had a, a fairly good answer for this first of all do
0: you know how long this took to how long this took to make i was quite sure is it not is it not like a couple of months or something five months five months
1: yeah it took like it, it, they shot it over five months for 35 million euros. And like in this interview, they reckon that it's because they made it in 2008, just before the financial crisis. And they reckon that's the only way they would have gotten money for this. And fair enough, it lost money. But watching it uh, th- this third time, I actually really fell into it. And like, I give a lot of credit to my own concerted effort in the last few years to just stop looking at my phone all the time. These days, I'll generally like leave it in another room if I'm watching anything.
0: Yeah, that's that, especially something like this. Yeah. I broke this up into into little chunks which was a bad idea it's a strange
1: example of a film that seems long and yet also exactly as long as it needs to be is that is that fair
0: yeah there's not much i would cut it's just like a long film is is, what it is long by its nature yeah
1: yeah yeah. like there are stretches where objectively nothing happens but a great deal is on show and -hmm. if you're watching like if you're watching with five percent less concentration, it would be easy to watch the film and actually not notice any of the metaphysical aspects of the story, which is like it, which is in itself a fascinating approach. If you're going to have supernatural elements in your story, they'll rarely be blink and you miss it supernatural elements, will they?
0: It's funny saying about, like because this is. As I said, like, I feel like this film kind of bridges the gap between the, the first three films, that trilogy of death, and then Birdman. Because do you remember how out of left field Birdman felt? Yes, definitely. When it came out, like, that was like a massive departure. But Beautiful feels a little different from those first three films, but still carries on a lot of the same themes.
1: I don't think it feels different from the other, those three at all. Just in Mm. terms of structure, I think it feels like maybe the director's cut of a segment of one of those first three films. Or, as I said before, it's that Ushbal is, um, Javier Bardem's character, is like the car crash in Amaros Peros, or the gunshot in Battle. Um, Because, yeah, like, so apparently the character uh, is what came to Iñárritu first when he was living in Barcelona and the voice started speaking to him, blah, 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 blah. blah. I mean, in your attitude, you you only if you want to laugh along with me, you only have to listen to a couple of interviews with the guy. And having listened to, like, yeah, like I find this fairly plausible. Having listened to him, I don't think he's making it up. Uh, apparently, as Ushbal was born, uh, Bardem was born into the role and lived it intensely for the length of the shoot, sometimes to his own mental detriment. Again, I'd normally be quick to write remarks like this off as utter bollocks, but this whole film is so intensely rendered uh, and affecting fairly gut-wrenching to watch i can't even imagine what it was
0: like to live in it
1: uh, to the extent they must have over over that period of time
0: yeah i mean it's it's you've lived in barcelona now for what about five six years i mm. lived there four years most of the places where they go in the city are places that i've either never been or have only passed through very yeah. very briefly
1: I was gonna bring this up it, it, in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, so it is. The film is set in Barcelona, but not really, is the is the answer. Yeah. Um I wanted to just, talk about that. Yeah, we, should, we might as well talk about it before we get into the story. Just we'll to get f- these things out of the way. Go on.
0: This film got two Academy Award nominations. Best actor nomination for Javier Bardem, which was the first time. That a performance entirely in Spanish had been nominated for an Oscar, apparently, although that's not true because he does he speak some Catalan in there. And it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, Representing Mexico.
1: Well, like I said, yeah, so we like, yeah, you lived in Barcelona for ages. How long did you live here in total?
0: Four years.
1: Uh, Wow, okay, so I've overtaken you at this point.
0: Yeah, you win. Congrats.
1: Nice, yeah. But not many people have seen this Barcelona. I live on the north side of the city, and I like to go on long walks, so I have actually ended up in some of these areas. (laughs) Yeah, sure you have. Accidentally. Suffice to say, Inurado seems to have gravitated towards setting his film in the areas of the Catalan capital that could easiest pass for Mexico City. Even the odd glimpse of La Rambla's or Sagrada Familia are done so dully uh, so as not to attach any of the goodwill people have for the city to the story. Uh, Do you think he used the location purposefully just to mess with people? I
0: don't know. Have Have you heard anything of the origin of why he chose Barcelona? Just that he was living here when he thought of the story. It doesn't feel particularly tied to the city of Barcelona. It feels like it could take place anywhere. It could just as easily be Mexico.
1: I mean I like as if you said. if it was just a move to mess with people, like I like it because it spoke to me like a little in that people from home saying to me, Oh, it must be great living out there and me going well, I still have to like pay taxes and work five days a week, you know. As I've said, it's the story of uh, Oxball, Oxbal played by Javier Bardem, a clairvoyant who sources labour and goods uh, to sell for illegal immigrants into Barcelona, his character wanders through a number of other stories connected only by Oxbal, who basically acts, as I said before, like the crash in a Maros Peros or the gunshot in Babel. Bardem is mighty in this, and uh, it's to take nothing from the film or his supporting cast to say that the film just doesn't work without him. Like he is, he's like Atlas carrying the world in this film, basically, and you can see it in his big sad face. So the whole actually the whole performance made me think of Daniel Day-Lewis's statement regarding retiring from acting that it was just just too much just to be going through this intense level of performance. Huxley lives uh, in a reality that uh, I don't know makes Mike Lee's world look like a children's show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Basically out in Santa Coloma and San Adria de Besos, it's the the rough part of the town. He lives with his two children, Anna and Mateo, who he ha- <laughs> actually let me get through all of these all of these characters, their situations, and let's try and wonder why they call the film beautiful. Oxbell mm. lives with his two children, Anna and Mateo, who he had with Maramba a bipolar prostitute from whom he is estranged. He is an orphan whose only remaining relative is his brother Tito, a scumbag property developer who sometimes solicits Maramba's services. Amongst the immigrants he finds work for are Aquibe, his wife Ige, Ige, and their son Samuel. He also deals semi-regularly with Hai, the manager of a sweatshop where the knock-off goods sold by Equibe are manufactured, and his ambitious gay lover Liwe, who I have rechristened, Gay D. Macbeth.
0: Peter Bradshaw in his Guardian review called them a couple of gay Chinese gangmasters, <laughs> which, which I really enjoy as a
1: as a little turn of phrase. Yeah, it's
0: nice. <laughs> yeah, a couple. A, that's what he said. A couple of gay Chinese gangmasters. That's not very Peter Bradshaw. No, no, it doesn't. That's what he, that's what he said ten years ago. Inyaritu originally wanted to open the film with a poem from Mexican poet Jaime Sabines called Del Mito. I was going to read it to you in Spanish and then you can translate it. Yeah, because according to the director, this poem says everything that he wants to say about the film. So here we go. And it goes, Mi madre me contó que yo lloré en su vientre.
1: My mother told me that I cried in her womb.
0: A ella le dijeron tendrás suerte.
1: They said to her, he'll be lucky.
0: Alguien me habló todos los días de mi vida.
1: Someone spoke to me all the days of my life.
0: Yo soy Donica y soy gay.
1: I am Donica and I'm gay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I may have sneaked to that one in. I don't think that's in the original verse. This poem really speaks to me. (laughs) 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 Al oído, despacio, lentamente
1: Into my ear, slowly, slowly
0: Me dijo, vive, vive, vive
1: They said to me, live, live, live Era la muerte It was death Alright, he wanted to open the film
0: with that, did he? Yeah, that seems like the kind of wanky thing that he would want <laughs> <answer> to- <laughs> <laughs> Alright, yeah, in that point, I
1: do, I've brought it up already But uh, have you listened to many interviews with Inyaratu this week?
0: I listened to a few, yeah. Oh
1: my god, he's fucking intolerable. <laughs> <laughs> he's a nightmare. Because I, I listen, I one interview in particular where he said that the voice of Uxbal started talking to him as he walked around Barcelona. I was like, yeah, I'm sure, it fucking did. I'm sure, yeah, great. But I like his movies, is the thing. So I mean, who am I to complain? I just like I, absolutely. I, I, I don't know. He fits the profile of what people imagine a pretentious european filmmaker to be it's him it's in your and i know he's mexican i know he is but it's just it's him
0: i i read a bit about his background in that like when he was 17 or 18 he he got um his his father gave him a thousand dollars and he left on uh boats and traveled around europe and africa and worked um, for a period of time wow he came from he came from a relative uh, like relatively wealthy background, but then his family fell on hard times. But he was able to go away to Europe, and then yeah, he returned to Mexico, went to university, started working at a radio station before eventually finding his way into film.
1: No, I heard about that the radio station period of his life, and um, he would put together uh, narratives via pop songs.
0: So the film opens and closes in a snowy field. Uspal is talking to a young man. A dead owl lies in the snow. It's all very poetic and elegiac in tone. Uh, later, Uspal is doing some medical tests in a hospital. A nurse jabs him with a syringe before he takes the syringe off of her and does it himself, suggesting that he's a former heroin addict, I assume.
1: Yeah, I got that from it. I also, like, uh, you feel the jabs in that scene, don't you?
0: There's there are so many times in this film I had to look away because I was like either squeamish or f- like physically disgusted at what I was seeing.
1: A lot of blood pissing.
0: There, there's blood. Yeah, the, exactly. He 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 pisses blood uh, multiple times in the film. There's a part later on where they're talking about like bogies or something. I think it was that hmm. made it made me physically ill. Also, when the son tries to stuff all the food in his mouth just everything about like bodily functions in this film made me kind of go and and yeah trying to the 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 nurse trying to find a vein and fucking up and just jabbing him (laughs) and him getting he getting so angry yeah yeah it made me really really uncomfortable in the next scene ux goes to a funeral there are three young children dead lying in caskets he communicates with one of the souls of these dead boys to bring closure. The children died in an accident. The child that he communicates with has stolen a watch from his, his parents. However, his mother doesn't believe what Uxbal tells them. So everything is presented to the viewer as real. We have this character, yeah. Uxbaal, he has a He has a sixth sense there are various points throughout the film where he, he talks to the dead in a in a kind of Haley Joel Osment manner. Mm, but it, it's yeah, not front every, and everything, center. Everything is, no, it, it, and that kind of... I would have rather have seen that film. <laughs> huh, really? Because for me... <laughs> yeah, like, possibly. Well, well, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I I would like
1: to see that film. I don't know what I say rather because, like, first of all, one thing that I quite liked about this is, like his clairvoyance is introduced um it, like it it doesn't matter what we believe this neo-realist film is telling us it's true so it's true and like it's like one of the most interesting things is that the vision of his father that bookends the film—we find out it's his father, but we don't there's... know. We don't know at the time. But um, early on, then, yeah, he goes to this funeral, and there's this blink and you miss it moment where we just see one of the corpses sitting by his own coffin. Anyway. so
0: next we have the introduction of one other plot point, which is that Usbal and his his brother Tito are selling their father's niche in the cemetery. Basically, the the space where their their father's corpse is uh, is being stored. Their father left Spain as a young man before Uspal was born to escape death under Franco's dictatorship, but died two weeks later of pneumonia in a twist that could have been written by Alanis Morissette herself. At the same time, Uspal is working with the African street vendors who run into problems with the police. There are Chinese factory owners who he's also working with who have slave workers and are producing subpar goods for the Africans to sell and Uxpal is trying to navigate problems and work with these two different groups it which is I, I think that the part of the problem of of the film possibly of why it was it wasn't very well received overall by critics which i think part of the problem could be that Uspal is kind of a scumbag <laughs> yeah it's 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 a strange situation because he's he seems like at times like He's like, he's, he is the stereotypical hero and good guy. But at the same time, he's also like, a lot he, of the work that he's doing is essentially taking advantage of refugees.
1: He's got his fingers in some fucking mud pies, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like he is, a, he is essentially like a, a criminal. Right. But at the same time, I mean, there's, you know, there's compassion in his dealings. He's not trying to be a complete piece of shit at all.
0: No, it seems like he's trying to survive, essentially. Next comes the the cancer diagnosis, the big C. He's terminal. He's got months to live at best, assuming that he has some chemotherapy. His wife, Marambra, comes back to look after the kids. She's extremely damaged. She's been in a mental institution in the past, and their relationship is extremely rocky. She plays a mean bipolar yeah 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 she's but she hasn't been in very much she's no, an, hardly like an argentinian an Argentinian actress her name's uh, maricel Alvarez, but uh even like after this she was it's not like she went on and, and did things but, but she's, she's very good inter- in this yeah there was uh, certainly in the scene where she's uh dancing to very extremely loud music and standing on uh, Tito's back with her top off. I thought that was some excellent acting. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: One thing, one part that I thought was like just brilliantly played between her and Javier Bardem is when he arrives home and she's there doing the cooking or whatever and like you don't even need to hear the word bipolar it's just like it's yeah, the absolutely. cinematic grammar of like oh no she's doing this and I know this is going to go wrong again fucking any minute. And like it's interesting as well because whereas Oxbow Uxbal- is strong in certain ways, he has no strength around her.
0: Right, yeah, no, absolutely. But then he also has two children and is dying of cancer, so it's fair that he does kind of warm to her over this period as well. Just to do, like, well, he loves her. That's the thing. He says he loves her. I always, I, I feel like Spanish cinema, and I could probably, I could probably label a few different countries with this, but like, I feel like they put forward that concept of someone is definitely bipolar, but it's more sold as like I'm passionate, I'm a Latin lover. Yes. After we break up after we break up I'm going to I'm gonna cut up all of your clothes and I'm gonna throw your shit out the window. Yeah. That's not my experience of Spain. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that in the same way that certain tropes are fed into hollywood i feel like that's a trope that's put out in and it's a bl- like, it's a load of, of bollocks it's, yeah it's absolute nonsense yeah it's yeah, like yeah that
1: i'm fully with you there
0: does not happen it does not happen and that shouldn't shouldn't be encouraged
1: yeah and like like <laughs> and you know what somebody who encouraged it to the point of winning an oscar was Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz played yeah. up that stereotype for Woody Allen and w- Vicky Cristina Barcelona, knowing yeah, full absolutely. well that it was a bunch of horse shit. Whatever uh, bohemian impression people have of the city of Barcelona, you and I can say... Full- <laughs> it's, it, whatever bohemian attitude there is there is brought over by all the skaters that come there to live for a summer. It's not really there with yeah. the Catalan people. And I love living here. Uh, no, uh, no, but, no. But the, like the Catalan people are... I mean, assertively middle class. They like going out for vermouth, relaxing (laughs) on terraces, stuff like that. And it's fucking awesome, by the way. I love that. That's the life I'm here for, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah.
1: But, like, yeah, all of this other bollocks that people shop around it's just not true now, fair enough, these people are from God this is I started the sentence, so I gotta finish it, so these people are from a lower income bracket, so I mean, it might be more realistic in that case, I'm not sure, I can't say exactly this lady's a bipolar prostitute, so maybe her personal life might be a bit more rocky than the average, but the normal clim- uh, the normal label with which this is sold as the norm is just fucking not true it's just, it's 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 not um it's it's silly. Uh, I would go as far as to say, um, but here, I mean, I buy it here. I do just because. I mean, look at the surroundings.
0: Yeah, it's it's rough, and this was filmed all in your flat. Is that correct? <laughs>
1: That's correct. Yeah,
0: it's filmed entirely in your house. Well, not
1: well, my flat and the uh, twenty or so abandoned flats right underneath me.
0: That's nice. And you have, you, you have Chinese slaves living... I do have Chinese living slaves. ...living downstairs. The shit starts to hit the fan when the African street vendors sell outside of the approved zone, selling mm-hmm. their bric-a-brac but also drugs, and the police crack down and beat them up, arresting Uxbal's friend Ikweme and uh, leaving Ikweme's wife Ige and young baby extremely vulnerable.
1: Yes, yes, yes. It's like a segment of what a Born
0: identity movie would have uh, looked like
1: had it been directed by Mike Lee.
0: And um, I guess we've both seen that scene play out many times before yeah. in the past. Yeah, that was like, interesting. I've that seen part. that in multiple Spanish cities like uh African group of African guys who are selling stuff in the street and then eventually they're they selling in a, in a zone where they're, I guess, not supposed to be and they get the there's a and they a just massive overreaction and crackdown from the local police.
1: Yeah, it's a fu- like it's a funny old thing because it's like it's just something that is going to happen perpetually. So I suppose the police owe it to their uniforms to occasionally make them run a couple of blocks one way or the other, but it's bizarre to see it happen because like nobody's yeah, yeah. getting arrested or detained. You just see these guys, and they they have all their handbags laid out on massive sheets with, four string, with a string attached in right. each corner so they could just yank it up into a giant Santa sack type thing to go and leg it. So it's interesting to actually see that on the film because it's quite a dramatic thing to see
0: happen in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way it happens in the film includes uh, one guy gets hit by a car in a, mm. a rather brutal collision.
1: And uh, so then- Bardem gets a baton in the face, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he got in uh, in in the old square. I can't even remember what it's called. I used to live just right there, and I, it's it's been it's about Placer, four it's years. Plaza Is that what it's called? It's been about four years, and I've completely forgotten everything about Barcelona. I have to be honest; I don't remember the names of any street or anything. I think it's
1: Plaza del Sol.
0: No, it's Plaza yeah, del Rey. Is that what it's called? Yes, Sorry, but, yes, I, it is. Plaza
1: del Sol but is in Gracia. I don't
0: know. So uh, the Chinese factory owners are trying to organize construction contracts for their workers. And in the most Iñárritu move possible, the two Chinese owners are, re- are revealed to be gay and in a relationship. Like that just felt, that felt to me like he was just throwing everything at the screen. Not because the characters are gay, but it just because it felt like a kind of like... Ah, you weren't expecting this, were you? It turns out the two, chi- the, the two Chinese factory owners, well, they're gay and they're in a relationship. <laughs> How do you think about that? Like, it just, and I, I, well, I was watching, just, going, I'm fine with that. Absolutely, of course, Yeah, it's fine. The mm. only re- the, the the only reason that we don't like those characters is because well, one of them is a dick, is an absolute dickhead, and and, it's and they're, they're and they're both slave is, owners together. Yeah, yeah, they're slave owners, but <laughs> one of them is way worse than the other one. Yeah, 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 Gady one Macbeth. Of, and so then Uspal starts chemotherapy, but a, his faithful healer friend convinces him that it's poison and not to waste his time because he's going to die. So from this point on, he's just starting to get his affairs in order. The Chinese slave workers living in the factory or under the factory uh, are freezing and are not doing a very good job on the construction yard because of that. So Uxbao buys them some heaters. However, the heaters that he buys are the cheapest ones that he can find. All the workers die in their sleep, which is by far the most disturbing scene. And yeah, as we've mentioned before, Uxbao with his sixth sense can see... Some of the dead workers crawling around on the ceiling. You've got Santolaya's score and the sound mix all intermingled there. Yeah, and I find that really, really affecting.
1: Yeah, by the by the time the mass death arrives, the film has entered the the pantheon of emotional exhaustion. And it's like, I mean, it's in a good way, but it's it, like when you sit down at night and you go, "What will I put on? Will I put on?" um an ingmar bergman meditation on death or will i put on the fast and the furious followed by a marvel film it this is the reason why people go marvel and fast and the furious because it's not just your time that you're putting into these films like moments like this like the mass death in the factory are emotionally exhausting they, it's just fucking bruises you like it's like that is tough that scene like you know what i mean there's there, there's no laughing your way through that i mean why you what we would want to is another thing but it's like it that'll just get you it's re- like and it's it's filmed so real like starkly realistically that's, that's the thing so like there's a moment where um he started like you refer to the chemotherapy where he's doing his chemotherapy and then he looks out and we see sagrada familia and that's like the only kind of time you see anything barcelona ish in the entire film because like they like, he just wants you down there in the grimness, much more what you would much more likely to associate with the film is the sort of imagery you see in the basement of this Chinese factory, which as if it isn't enough of a depressing shithole is then just filled with just a bunch of people who just were gassed in their sleep. It's incredibly tough going.
0: That seems to be the biggest criticism overall of the film was that it was uh, relentlessly grim which ah. didn't, that, that didn't really bother me. I no, d- me neither. Grimness in films does not bother me, but...
1: Although I did I feel could, like, I... with, the, with the grimness, sorry, with the grimness and the, and the titling... No, no, you go I ahead. Feel like, I feel like he was goading us to say that the film was ironically titled, which of course it isn't if you watch it. Like, it's all about these two or
0: three moments of, like, genuine goodness that occur. That's what the film lives for, really. It's like, it's like 10,000... Spoons when all you need is a fork. <laughs> or something. Anyway, don't you think?
1: think right. R- <laughs> We're both relatively clean livers now, yeah. Livers, livers, yeah. Yeah, um,
0: I, I have a clean liver, and I am a clean liver. Yeah, yeah. Um, you,
1: you more so than me. You don't even eat meat or anything like that. But I will say, after those Chinese deaths, and uh, uh, if ever a man needed strippers, coke, and whiskey, I think it was Ushbal in that moment. No.
0: Yeah, but just before that they dump the bodies of the workers at oh! sea, but they they wash up on the beach, leading to arrests and the murder or suicide of the uh, the the evil factory owner. Can you use my Gady name? Gady Macbeth. Gady Macbeth, yes, thank you very Gady much. Gady Macbeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, oh, she was gets, he, was, was, he gets murdered. Was that suicide? No, or was no. that murder? He yeah, was murdered by well, the you ju-
1: Just by the way you see his lover walking away from the hotel or
0: right. flat, Suggests whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say he's done him murdered.
0: in. Uh, Marambra also has a meltdown. Her son, Mateo, calls her a whore. She falls into a terrible depression and ends up being cared for in a mental institution. Uxbao decides to, to hook up with his, his brother, Tito, at uh, a club that certainly i never saw anywhere like that when i was in barcelona where there was a few things there was a scene early on in the film where there's two asian guys doing some kind of like karaoke rap in a in a in like a kind of asian restaurant and i was like where's this Mm. (laughs) i don't remember this in barcelona
1: I I don't tend towards strip clubs anyway. Honestly, I don't care who's listening to this. This is actually true. I'm just not that that person. So I would have never been in there anyway. But um t- just like Sure. whenever I pass that uh, historic place, uh, the I think it's called Club Baghdad, that's pretty much what I always picture it looks like on the inside. So maybe that's where they are. But I, Oh
0: yeah, sure. I remember that place. I've never been inside. It's probably why it is actually. I, I but um,
1: I like I just thought um I don't know when he did when he went. <laughs> I was practically cheering him on. I was just like, "Yes, have a whiskey and coke, sit with a nice lady what? who's pretending she likes he's, you for money, have some yeah, cocaine." He's, ch-
0: he's chatting to this. It's sh- she's just like a young stripper slash prostitute. She's trying to have a nice old time, and he <laughs> just says to her, "I'm dying. I have cancer."
1: And she's like, uh, and
0: she, she's like, oh, cool, that's great. Yeah, I hear that's it's, it's really big right now. Awesome. <laughs> and she's just looking. Around. She's paying no attention to him.
1: If you ever really want to just um, really sell one of your characters as just a giant tit, who we're supposed to dislike, give them a scene in a strip club, and that's all you need, really. And that's that's what that's the function of the scene with regards to Tito, I suppose. Oh Yeah, in that scene as well, Tito was there going, uh, well, you're lucky I squared things out with Mendoza because, you know, those guys didn't show up for work today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to there, they're all dead. They
0: didn't have no idea. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Ige moves in to take care of an ailing Uspal and his kids and Uspal gives her all of his cash so that she'll stay in Spain and mm. look after the, the kids a bit longer in and the that, final scene that's the
1: the beauty and then this is funny Like I think that's like the, the film's like beautiful moment the, one of them anyway the, the mm. most beautiful moments is when he gives her the money and he just knows that she'll stay and then you're like I was there watching it going oh, oh yeah yeah that's that's quite nice and it's just immediately cuts to a toilet bowl full of bloody piss it's like yeah, I, mean, I, I
0: don't I don't like that I don't like the old blood piss I have to say so in the final scene Zeus Ball is falling apart Mm. He sees himself as a ghost-like apparition. Again, this is this horror film that I want to watch. And uh, he gives his father's ring to his daughter and explains its provenance. It's a very similar scene to what we see at the start. It's basically a kind of bookends the film. And then after that, he dies right next to his daughter. And we return to the scene from the opening of the film where he converses with his father and then they walk off screen together to the other side in a kind of like, hey, what's over, what's over here? What's going on on this side? Like Cletus the like, Slack-jawed yokel. And they go, hey, what's over here on this side? And then they go, oh, it's heaven.
1: It's a credit to the grand Latin American um, magical realism tradition, that uh, closing scene. It's exactly what that's mm. going for, I feel. I Have you ever seen the film The, the Florida Project?
0: No, I, I would like to watch that. It's it, like have it's very, it,
1: it. it's very good. You certainly know this. I've definitely said this to you, or listeners of this podcast will, will know that I'm a big fan of um, crying uh, uh, at movies. But like you cry at movies, I find if something is like is like really really beautiful, and this kind of almost qualifies, but it more so goes into the camp which I'll say is the camp Florida project, which is when something is so impenetrably sad you can't cry you can't access it with empathy, you know what I mean? It's just Right fucking devastating. But the one moment like I did cry and it's almost like the Nicholas Sparks moment of the movie is when Ige almost leaves them and then she doesn't. And I that made me go, No, that's very nice. In general, I it's I'm had to say this because I really wasn't looking forward to watching it but I really enjoyed it and uh, I would probably watch it again at some point I'd, but I'd know what I'd be in for this time around for you, and what's it all about? What's this film about? I mean,
0: it seems to me that these first four films, it feels like Inyaritu is obsessed with death I mean, which is oh, that's a fair thing to, to hmm. put all of your energy into because it tends to be a major theme in in most people's work but i just think he seems i don't know he's he was just at this point in his life perhaps overwhelmed with just the question of what i feel like he's just kind of commenting on life itself what does life mean and what is eventually going to happen to all of us and and what is left of anything that you do or achieve or having kids etc etc I mean it does I can't, I can't say anything I mean because like what else does it like what yeah no 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 no, no. I think you I think, you're, I think, you're, I, I think
1: you're i think you're I think you're right, I just think like oh, I suppose then the question is like, why express it in this framework? I mean, it's similar to like like that, this is kind of how Dostoevsky likes to make his points as well. He'll just take an idea and absolutely put it through the ringer seven times to take away any fat at all and uh yeah i suppose that's it that's why the character has to go through so much just horror show because the thing is yeah he is a bit of a scumbag but he's also kind of i mean he's got he's he's got good intentions and it's like there are people in the film who are just able just just to breeze by all of the nastiness in life and he's just not able to do that he can't immediately after the death well i mean the deaths of certain characters they haunt him but like another thing is like why is he attracted to Miramba's character is it because she's broken basically is that the reason
0: i mean it could be so well also he he must have been broken at a certain point because we're assuming he was like a heroin addict at some stage yeah
1: fair. That, that's so fair. we're guessing
0: guessing that he has maybe he's kind of put himself into a little bit of a better situation and w- was more of a piece of shit when he was younger yeah but this i mean overall this is why i didn't love the film i thought it was fine i liked it well enough but it does feel a bit scattershot unfocused at times because it's just like okay yeah it's this tone poem about death but it's also trying to comment in some way on the experience of like a migrant worker moving to barcelona or like a refugees the 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 kind of plight of migrant workers Mm but then also something about like the breakdown of of families or you know, like a family of some, if one parent suffers from mental illness and how that affects children. And Well, that's what I was commenting talking about on earlier. It's too many things, yeah. I think.
1: Uh, but like, like just the different strands of the story and Uxbel basically being like the car crash from Amoris Perus, I've said it about 10 times now. But right. I, mean, he, like, he's I see the, what you mean, yeah. He's the only connecting factor between those. I mean, what else would sort of bring them together? It's an interesting, like, character to realize. I don't like... Why do you think he made him a clairvoyant?
0: That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. Maybe because he thought that would be interesting. I'm sure uh, I didn't find anything of that in any of the interviews that I watched. No, me neither. I couldn't find mention of it. I get the sense that he just takes things in general and kind of whacks them together. Plus, this was the first thing that he'd written. So it could be that he had some experience, life experience with that, or he thought it would be awesome. I think, but he shot all of those scenes so well that it was an avenue that I would have liked to have seen developed.
1: I can imagine, like five months and like a lot of six-day weeks and so and st- stuff as well. I heard from Javier Bardem. I said like he texted me. I listened to an interview with him, but um, like I would imagine they shot this two death to get the feeling that they have in the film of how good it is
0: also the editing process on this film lasted for i think it was around 13 months good god it was a a, yeah it was a massive massive period of time so obviously he was sitting there looking at it just trying to trying to craft it into into what it finally became
1: would you recommend it to anybody
0: yeah i think it's i mean i think it's yeah 14 months That's that's how long he spent editing it um yeah, I mean I still think it's it has a lot of kind of the beautiful imagery that you would expect from a master filmmaker and it's you know it's got good good performances. I mean Javier Bardem like we said he was Oscar nominated for this.
1: Do you know what Javier um, Bardem was most recently shooting before he got cut off by the pandemic and now they're not going to finish it?
0: Uh No Country for Old Men 2?
1: No, it's a mini series about your mate Hernan Cortez. Uh written- Oh no. Yeah, written by uh, Steve Zalian, uh, which was Aww. adopted by from an epic script written by um, your man Trumbull in uh, the nineteen sixties. And uh, yeah, they they shot they they shot about half of it, and uh, they couldn't like yeah they, because they just have abandoned it
0: now. Imagine that
1: they've shot half a miniseries and they're not going to finish it.
0: Oh, no, that's mental.
1: Yeah, yeah, isn't it very annoying? Um, Steven Spielberg producing and everything. <laughs> oh, no. that's so annoying isn't it yeah 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 it's such an absolute kick in the teeth
0: how this film fits in in the rest of the filmography i guess like we said birdman was like a massive departure yeah not just for in f- for for Revenant like it is yeah
1: for, for films like it was just such a bizarre yeah. film it was brilliant like i I've, I've seen it a few times i really enjoy birdman um michael keaton yeah. is, f- is like what an underrated actor is michael keaton like him as Beetlejuice is one of the best performances you'll see. I'm mm. not, I'm not fucking around there. And I think in Birdman he's just spectacular. Like, like it's one of the reasons he worked so well as Batman. He just brings this manic, crazy energy to yeah, things. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's like in a Comedy Store documentary I was watching. I saw some of his stand-up. He's, he was, he was a really good stand-up. I mean, he quit really early.
1: Well, because he got uh, cast like as Batman back,
0: back in the night. Yeah, well, he quit in the nineteen seventies.
1: Oh wow! Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got stuff early. He got stuff. He got started getting film and TV roles very early, and was like, "Okay, done with the whole comedy thing." But he's, you know, he's a natural performer. He's quality.
1: He was very good on Norm Macdonald's talk show on Netflix. All right, what are you bringing to the table this week, then?
0: So I, I have my. Okay, good, fantastic. Because I'm currently lying on a bed. So the film that I'm going to be recommending, the film I'm submitting to the toss this week, this was actually recommended to me by Dominic Holmes. Ah, from Barcelona, yeah. So he ge- yeah, he gave Alpaca. me this. Uh, that's, that's the one. He gave me this recommendation ages ago, um, and I've finally it's finally made its way to the top of the list, and that is 2018's Capernaum uh yes Kapernaum. this is uh,
1: this is the film what is set in the West Bank is it
0: I I think it's a lebanese drama I don't know if it is it set in Lebanon or is it
1: I don't know about a kid who's wants to uh, divorce his parents is it
0: uh, it looks like it's gonna be harrowing but uh, it should be very good
1: well harrowing if you win um, although what I've God for you I mean it's you know it's a notorious film the one that I want to watch this week it's a uh, one that I attempted to stay up late and watch uh, when I was a kid on TV because I heard there was oh loads God, of you were sex a kid. in it and uh, I was 19- already
0: like 15 when this came out
1: uh, I would have been I would have been 9 when this came out fuck You're that much older than me. That's mad. Anyway, yeah, 1996 is David David Cronenberg's adaptation of, what's his name, J.G. Ballard's novel, Crash, about
0: people who like to have sex in car crashes. Have you seen this? I have indeed seen this. I've seen it a couple of times, probably.
1: I got a coin right here. Yeah, so, right. More of
0: my choices.
1: 50 or a man's big fat head with glasses.
0: Oh, come on. A man's big fat head with glasses.
1: All right, he actually hes about as um, necklace as George Lucas on this coin. It's not a flattering coin picture. I would be annoyed were I him. Okay, here we go. And it is. The winner is 50. 50
0: oh, shit. Watching Crash. Goodbye, Capernaum. It's Crash. 1996 is Crash. Not to be confused with 2004 is Crash.
1: Alright, we're going to watch a, la- a film laden with uh, controversies next week.
0: Well, I'm just happy I'm going to watch one film, and then I'm just going to spend the rest of my time watching Television.
1: Alright, I guess that's goodbye the from, end. B- from both of us. The, yeah, that's the, end? The,
0: the end? The end? Question mark. The end? You're beautiful You're beautiful You're beautiful It's true